I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. I'm taking my time. All I could talk in is starting to rhyme. I'm letting go along the letting go strife. I just can't get enough of this beautiful life. The Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships. It creates language for what motivates us and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram is a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher and writer in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja. Hello. My man. Hey. We are halfway to the dark side. Halfway. <laughs> <laughs> we are we supposed to list. turn back at this point? We got a list of five steps, and we're on number trace. Okay. All right. This actually is a pivot point. We should have turned back, but just in <laughs> case we kept roll right on going, which I, I realize doesn't happen in real life, but just in case it did. It, it does sometimes. Maybe one listener out there. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's just you and I talking about where we <laughs> right. need some work. The uh, We're talking about places that we settle uh, we're going to use a fancy religious term for these and call them idols. There are some things that... Uh, idol is a good ancient kind of image. Mm-hmm. Idol is something that is uh, kind of shiny, kind right. of attractive, lacks all the power that uh, you might ascribe to it. Right. And sometimes in Enneagram world, with our type and our motive, we ascribe power to things that really don't have much power, but right. we consistently hold them up as something that's going to uh, be a place of rest, refuge, a uh, place of strength and power, uh, all sorts of things that we think our idol might give us, and they don't. Right. Yeah, idols are like, it's basically like the statue representing your god, and, you know, you make sacrifices to the statue, and, and you pray to the statue, and you, like, you turn the statue itself into the thing that you're, that gets all of your allegiance and whatnot, and... In, at the end of the day, it's just a statue. So, who knew that wood couldn't make the rain come? <laughs> I did. <laughs> who who knew that lots of ladies in bikinis wouldn't show up if I drank that light beer? It just didn't happen. <laughs> I bought the beer just like the ad said. It's what the ad says. The ad said. Yeah. <laughs> I bought that dish soap, and nobody wanted to have sex with me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Don Miller joke, by the way. Um, Well, part of this uh, podcast, we're going to just summarize a lot of the stuff that we've already covered. So we're going to just walk through a couple of steps. And you'll notice that the movement from our motive to our fear to the things we avoid to here, this idol that we settle with, uh, the the steps are just very easy, very simple. And all of a sudden, we're in a bad spot. Uh, so that's where we're going. Yeah, if this is uh, if if you have not listened to the previous two episodes, you might want to pause here and go back because we lay a lot of groundwork for what's coming and like those those steps. It's nice to see those steps sort of roll into each other. Yep. And this is part three. That's it. I, I want to like ask you, do you: Did you have an idol growing up or something like that? I don't know if that's a lame question. Well, I, to get I into grew up this, Catholic, but... so yes. Oh, I meant like, you know, like a football player or, oh, or that kind of rock idol. star. Uh, not really that I can think of. Off the we talked of 
a while back about a director that you really like who really crashed recently. And it's when mm. your idols, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that you're like, man, I really looked up to that person then crash. Yeah. But look like the, I don't, I don't know if this is nineness or if this is just me or, or what, but like, like I, I feel like it, it's easier for me to separate the art from the artist. Oh, than it is I for can. a lot of people. Like, like there's there's a ton of there are so many people who have fallen from grace in the last ten years mm-hmm. that like a, a lot of my friends, people I'm close with, and a lot of the world are like, no, we're done with that person. It's like okay, yeah. but but does their skeeziness does it does it really eliminate the art that they've already put into the world? Yeah. Because if that's true, then we need to go back through history and and you know eliminate a ton of our history truth of all things i'm having the opposite experience right now i'm watching this fantastic documentary by ken burns on uh the roosevelts and watching uh franklin roosevelt's wrestling with polio the loss of his legs and how he navigated not showing the public that he couldn't walk sure and just the the multitude of things just to appear as though he was strong are is just insane mm-hmm. uh, to watch and uh, just just gave me huge respect for someone who I was just like yeah you know he's the depression president right, right. You know, kind yeah of thing. <laughs> yeah I get that really good stuff there anyway all right well we uh, we have started with the twos and uh, I like starting with the twos. There you go with some twos. I love starting with the twos. It works. This is painting with a broad brush in some ways, but twos for the most part believe that if they just earn the love of others, they'll get the attention that they crave, and this will make them happy. And so many twos will describe being fearful of being unwanted. It's the opposite side of love, and therefore they're going to avoid coming across as needy, uh, they're going to avoid their own neediness. That's the setup. That's the downward slope. It starts with, I want to. I simply want to earn your love. And it moves to fear, moves to avoidance. And here we are. Twos, avoiding their own neediness, are going to settle on an idol. And that idol is of being needed or appreciated over the, you know, the genuine care and love that they actually crave. Um, you want to talk about the difference there between mere appreciation and genuine care? Yeah, and and I I think starting off with twos is a great a great way to do this because twos spend so much of their energy earning the quote unquote love that they think they're looking for. So so like they they really want to be attached to people. They want people to care about them in these these genuine heartfelt ways. And and their idol, the thing that they settle for, is. Not being loved, but being useful, being needed, being a necessary part of someone else's life, essentially turning into a tool yep. for for the people around you. And and like this, this comes with often it comes with relational language and 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 sort of like like flattery. There there's a there's a lot of you're so necessary to me. I'm I'm so thankful for the things that you do. Like this is this is what twos like they eat that up because it's a representation statue pointing to the thing that they actually want which is legitimate full-on relational care and love 
If they can't get that, then at least they can have people tell them that they're wonderful, you know? That appreciation is a place of relief, I imagine. Especially when the relationship you desire just isn't materializing. Like, you'll take crumbs. Where where are the crumbs I got? Right. Speaking with a dear, dear friend this week who is a two, and she was talking through her difficulties uh, with uh, one of her children. And I I was just talking about some of the work we were doing, and I just said the fear, I pitched the fear of being unwanted, and that was the thing that just, she cracked. Yeah. Um, And it was, this is what I don't feel in the relationship I have with my child. I don't Mm. feel wanted by my child. Mm. And so anything, any kind of appreciation, any kind of, hey, can you help me do this? Yeah. Might be... Just, oh, okay, there there it is. That's There's the thing something. that I've been yeah. craving. Yeah. Even if it isn't genuine. There's the, this, this represents at least the attachment that I'm looking for. Yes. It doesn't represent it the way I want it, but it's at least something. Yeah. yeah. Getting to that, gen, how, how do we establish relationships of genuine care and love? This will be one of the real struggles for twos to have a ra- on their radar. What is tangible depthy affection and and as you were saying i love the idea of i've entered a relationship where i'm just a tool Mm -hmm. and yet it's somewhat satisfying right that's something and and i think because because the steps have been followed because like they want they want love and care which means they fear being unwanted which means they avoid their own needs i think like the next step of of like like falling for this idol is part of how the progression happens like they because they avoid neediness they actually avoid some of the real genuine connection that that is needed for yes. a real relationship that's it coming across as always serving doesn't create a a reciprocation there right right if you were if you were out of touch with your own needs because you don't want people to think that you're needy, then you're not sharing a part of yourself with another person. Yep. And the thing that you're settling for is a one-way relationship. Mm. The thing about idols is they appear to have power. And for twos, threes, and fours, I want to say they have the appearance of power in overcoming their underlying feeling of shame. It's like what, what we really want is the ability to act without shame. Hmm. This person appreciates me. This person, you know, has told me that I'm necessary in their life, that I'm needed. Notice how that kind of calms that depthy underlying feeling of the two. Right. Oh, I can live without shame because I'm needed here. Right. And but and it's not the genuine care. The the effort that I've put into earning this affection goes rewarded. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You, your stance has paid off. Right. That's a good one. I want to pitch for, for us because all of the types are going to get to this spot and say, yeah. Uh, so what do I do? <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> what else? If it's the case that I can't, for the two, if it's the case I can't grab hold of the genuine care and love that I really desire, what do I do? This is where the Enneagram pitches something prescriptive and it pitches the virtue for each of the types. And I want to suggest that this is a good landing point for our hearts. It's a place that we can routinely in our minds go to in terms of saying, have I walked off the, uh, a healthy path? Mm. 
um, the virtues for all the types have real power. And for twos, the virtue is humility. You had thoughts on how twos and humility go together? I don't think that humility is, and, and I, I think this is going to play out pretty cleanly for, for a lot of the virtues with paired with the idol, but I, I, I don't think that humility is a way to dismantle the idol of the two, but I do think it is a way to allow yourself to turn away from that idol. Like, I, I, I don't think it'll get rid of it, but I think it'll it'll give you opportunity to not give that idol as much power, uh, giving yourself an opportunity to see that that idol is is just a statue. Uh, so the, the idea of humility, leaning into and embracing humility will require that you don't ask for the appreciation. You don't seek the recognition of, of like being attached because of the things that you're doing for people. You can start to genuinely do things because it's helpful. And as yep. you, as you move in that, you start to recognize that like the appreciation, the appreciation that, that the thing where people say, Oh, you're so useful to me and I need you in my life. That doesn't have as much power. And when you don't need that, you can actually start to develop relationship a little easier. Yeah. What I heard with humility in this pairing is that this is going to attack your avoidance of neediness. Mm -hmm. Humility means that it's not self-abasement. Humility is simply allowing yourself to expose that you're a human being, that you have needs like others. And as we were kind of saying, that invites others to come into your life who do genuinely care about you. Right. And you'll know they genuinely care about you because they are authentically meeting your needs. Right. I love this idea that it likewise goes against the seeking of appreciation that twos may struggle with in terms of really fishing for that. Like, I have met your needs. Now you owe me. Right. And humility says... You're not the one and only solution. Isn't that how that would go? I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it comes back to we uh, we use this phrase that we were given by uh, Suzanne Stabile a lot, the, the idea of like what is yours to do. And when humility comes in to help answer that question, then what is yours to do is the things that are uniquely yours to do. not Not things that need to be done, which... It's easy for a lot of twos to think, if somebody needs help, I'm the one that's supposed to help them. And humility comes in and says, maybe, sometimes, but these other times, no, it's not yours. It seems to me that the virtue is a great corrective step to focus on, especially at this point, because mm -hmm. otherwise we're going to see this, that when we give our hearts over to these idols, they're gonna, we're going to just open up this huge space for our darkest self to materialize right. in the opposite side of humility for twos is pride. Right. Boom. Threes. Threes take hold of excellence in order to get the attention they desire. The fear that's underlying the heart of a three as they take hold of the attention of others is that they would be found worthless, that others would consider them worthless. And so there is an avoidance here and the avoidances of failure and so threes may settle for an idol. Uh, they may settle for image and self-promotion. 
over the genuine excellence they really crave. You got thoughts on on threes and their idol? Yeah, we we talk a lot about uh, the mask for threes, and it, the it's this idea that that when threes walk into a room, they they read the room to see what does the room expect me to be in order to be the most successful. How how do I win the praise of this room? And they will sort of like chameleon morph into whatever that image is. And so like they're, they're constantly wearing this mask and, and they fear that fear is that the thing underneath the mask has no value. And so what better way to uh, avoid that fear than to make sure that nobody ever sees you fail at anything. And so what they essentially what they settle for is, is that image. They, they hold up the mask and they say, look at how great this mask is. Isn't this mask worthy of praise? When what they actually want is the thing underneath the mask to be worthy of praise. The image and even creatively shading one's accomplishments can get a response. It might be a, a fulfilling kind of response, mm-hmm. just like appreciation for the twos. But it's not the rich, deeply satisfying response that the three actually wants right. of others truly understanding the excellence they bring to the world. Uh, again, image appears to have power. Lots right. of likes or shares or however that materializes in your world. And it's overcoming that underlying feeling of shame again. Right. It's if others think I have a great image, then I can escape the shame of my past, the relational anxiety I may feel. Clearly other people think I'm special. And there, there's a... There's a real sense of uh, so so a lot of threes most threes are are actually really excellent at the things that they do they mm-hmm. they put excellence into the world because they want praise for being excellent and when threes a lot of threes who have experienced things that sort of break them of this cycle the, they're able to recognize that the excellence that they're putting out into the world is not a representation of their true self. It's actually a reflection of what they think people expect of them. Yes. And so, so like that you lose yourself there. Yeah. And, and they're, they're receiving, they are doing excellent things, but they're receiving praise for doing things that people expect of them, not for actually being excellent. That goes towards the virtue prescribed for threes, which is authenticity. And I hadn't put my thumb on it till you said it, that authenticity requires the three to find their own value yep. in their own eyes yep. and, that, and then present that to the world. Right. Yeah. I think threes, when they are healthy, will do exactly that. They'll put forth this excellent thing that is what they have stored up in, the, in their hearts and want the authentic praises and of others. And that may be a great good, actually. Um, but notice it's not shaded and it's not coming from a place where they're just meeting the appetites of, of the audience. Right. And it, it requires that they're also in touch with and honest about the things that aren't excellent which is is one of the few ways that you can know if people really care about you, if people really think that you're great, is if they've seen you at your worst and they still care. Mm-hmm. But if they've never seen the worst parts of you, then 
whatever praise you're you're experiencing isn't full depth isn't it isn't the kind of worthiness that threes are looking for where the, one of the things that's on my radar recently is that where fours have this radar for beauty, threes have a radar for glory, for mm-hmm. what's actually like praiseworthy at these high levels. Yeah. Real interested in some stuff going on right now in the world politically. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but Arnold Schwarzenegger put out a, a video uh, just you know a couple of days ago sure. that is really interesting. Um, he, I, I'm just uh, typing people I don't know. Uh, Schwarzenegger, very likely a three, comes from a, an impoverished Eastern European, you know, country. Right. And he wants to go into bodybuilding. He wants to get in a swimsuit and get up on stage in front of everyone. And he thinks this is amazing. And his heart is just drawn to it. And his family thinks he's a lunatic. Yeah, you me know? too. And <laughs> <laughs> But it leads to this career of uh, physical competition, and he's part of the whole revolution in exercise that's kind of coming in with the 80s and 90s, and he then becomes a movie star, and et cetera, et cetera. And then well, the you'll Galvanator. know this. His connection, not only to Eastern European culture, but to Russia, has been robust. He apparently is one of 22 people that Vladimir Putin follows on Twitter. Huh. And he came out yesterday using that platform to say something to the Russian people and specifically to Russian soldiers. And he built it up with how much he appreciated Russian culture yeah. and how one of his heroes had been the first man to lift 200 kilograms over his head. And this was a Russian bodybuilder. And he had his poster on the wall. And this was a guy they always looked up to. And he was just, just over and again praising what was praiseworthy in Russian culture Mm -hmm. in order to drop the bomb. And that is you are, you know, essentially you're better than this. You are more worthy than this. Like this is not for you. And then he told the story of his father and I had never heard this story. His father fought for the Nazis. This is something that a three might avoid saying. That might be the first time he's ever said it in in a microphone. This is the authenticity that yep. came out all of a sudden. And I just start weeping. I cry at everything. But I started weeping when he started telling that part of the story. He yeah. started talking about how his father had fought for a worthless cause. And his worthless, his father had been at the Battle of Leningrad and had suffered a severe injury that broke his back and he had shrapnel in his body for the rest of his life. And every time he hurt, he was reminded that he felt shame at his past Mm. and Schwarzenegger then said don't be that person yeah and just elevating what all that these people could be yeah and it just was I I found it really moving and it came out of this place of this 14 year old who wants to just lift weights and and be up on a stage you know flexing his arms but seeing that and that that's his dream and then pursuing that I don't know if that's making any sense it makes sense in my (laughs) mind that he's pursuing the authentic thing that he was really drawn to and then elevating it in his heart. And then years and years and years and years later, it has like potentially world changing power. Right. And it's, it's an opportunity for, and he's, he gets to be the best version of himself in this moment. And that, that requires authenticity. It, and it, it runs the risk of alienating millions of people potentially yep. that that true are fans of his people that yeah. have he he's running the risk of losing a claim 
by saying what he believes in his heart. Yep. So, too, one of the things he mentioned was that he's not just calling out Russians because they're in a different country. He said he did the exact same thing four days after January the 6th Mm -hmm. to people who are in his own political party. He obviously was a Republican governor of California. And I just find that deeply courageous. Yep. So, and in a, in a healthy uh, expression from a man who's, he's an, he's an old man now. He's not the same dude, you know, as it were. Right. Anyway, I found that worthwhile. Um, anything else on, on threes and authenticity? Nope. Fours, fours are going to step back for significance to give themselves the attention that they need first and then to pull others into that. Fours are going to fear being inconsequential. They are going to avoid being ordinary. And so the settling move, and you can see how this plays out, the settling move for the four is to present themselves as complicated or novel. If I can just be complicated, then that will satisfy my itch over what the four really wants, which is to know and experience their genuine significance. You got thoughts on fours and uh, being complicated or novel? Yeah, I think that fours, I, I think the Enneagram community often, especially sort of in the initial presentation, like we use the idol to sort of show what fours are like. Um, I think this is one of the places that, that we don't give fours enough credit when we teach them um, because because I think that we typically point to this, this idea of... Like I, I'm constantly reminded of the whenever we look at this list, I'm reminded of the the whole mimetic thing that was happening with hipsters for many years. Like the like <laughs> how many hipsters does it take to screw in a light bulb? It's a really obscure number. You've probably never heard of it. Like like that <laughs> that idea is is sort of how we paint force. And I think it, it has its roots in what this idol is. And so like fours wanting to to be significant, to make their mark on the world, to be to be a unique individual who is different from everyone else. Like they they feel that in their in their bones, and and they feel that looking out at the world, and and they they don't want to disappear into nothingness. They don't want to be a, just another face in the faceless crowd, and and so. They do this thing where they avoid normal. Like normal is boring. Normal is they they want higher highs. They want lower lows. They want full expression of whatever they're feeling at the moment. And this this settling is about this is the part where they want to be unique. They want to express uniqueness. It's like it's just taking those like taking each of these things one step further. So if you intentionally stand out from the crowd, then obviously you aren't going to be part of the crowd. But sometimes it means you're just standing out for standing out's sake. And that's, yep. that's, the, that's the idol that four settle for. All the heart triad is going to struggle with comparison mm-hmm. because there's a lot of attention-seeking. Uh, attention-seeking often drifts into comparison, but fours, it seems to me, have it in, in that. Well, it's in a unique way. The virtue that's elevated to replace this idol, again, hitting against 
past-oriented shame that fours may feel is you 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 talked about it in terms of everything being the same or everything being normal, but the virtue for fours is equanimity, which has an interesting twist to it in my mind. Equanimity in my mind suggests that everyone has a place. There is an equal beauty to all of us. It's a very different beauty because obviously the world is kaleidoscopic, but everyone has significant value and a healthy four, it seems to me, will rightly look for their own beauty and place in the world, their own significance, and be able to find that mm-hmm. while recognizing that everyone else has real beauty and worthiness and their own novelty and that it all works together in this grand tapestry. Right. That strikes me as what's going on there. Am, uh, am I missing something? No, I head? totally agree. Uh, you are unique just like everyone else and and like the, like real like leaning into equanimity you don't you don't have to be complicated you don't have to you don't have to be different from everyone else because you already recognize that you are different from everyone else and that's part of what brings us all together as well that if one knows that one is significant that that means you can act without shame you don't yeah. have to have that underlying feeling you know clawing at you right. as it were it also, notice this, will be the singular power that will keep you from envy, which is the traditional sin associated with fours. Right. If you can't get to a place where you see yourself as part of the beautiful world all around you in your own significance, then, of course, everyone else's beauties will be elevated all the more. Right. And that's going to be a downward step. Right. Yeah, I like I like equanimity because I, I feel like it it adds another word to this like so so we're culturally we're talking a lot about equality versus equity and I feel like equanimity is is just another part of that same conversation mm-hmm. it's like it it doesn't mean that you are the same as everyone around you but really embracing equanimity sort of lowers their value and raises yours yeah. to where you're at the same level. They are like everyone around you is special and also so are you and they are not more special than you are and you are not more special or different and you don't need to be yep. more different than them because you are the only version of you that has ever been in 108 billion souls that have been on this planet. That's it. There is oftentimes some of the healthiest steps in Enneagram or the thing that Enneagram often elevates for us is balance. And that's exactly it. I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We we live in this place where we both bring something wonderful to the table. Right. And that's as it should be. Right. Forgot to talk about the sin of the threes real quick, but obviously if they are authentic, it's going to keep them from deceit. Right. Uh, both deceiving themselves and deceiving the world. And so just to sling that in there here as we transition uh sorry threes you're fine (laughs) move on transition to the fives (laughs) (laughs) fives who are going to step back for wisdom uh they want to understand the world so that they can feel secure fives are going to fear being incompetent they're incompetent clearly they may be vulnerable in those ways and so they are fives are going to avoid depletion avoid perhaps involvement We've talked. We talked extensively about those two terms. Right. Do we have another term? Emptiness. Emptiness. That's right. Yeah. All of those have that feeling of fives are very aware of their 
resources. Right. And as such, what fives will settle for are securities, both the security of mere knowledge or of capital um, or the tools. I'm right. going to sit back here with the thing with the resources that I know will keep me safe and I'm going to hoard them. Yeah. So long as I have enough information, I'm going to be safe. Yeah. So long as I have enough money in the bank account that I don't ever touch, then I'm going to be safe. Instead of pouring themselves into something that actually truly is everlasting, which is wisdom and being grounded in that space. Wisdom allows one to actually act in the world. Whereas the opposite posture, hoarding my knowledge, need more, know more and more and more and more. That can be stagnifying. Yeah. Right. Is that a word? Stagnating. Uh, Stagnating. (laughs) I think that's the one you want. Yeah. 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 And like, Getting more information does not and cannot make you wise. Mm. Wisdom comes from something else. And there's even idioms about how uh, the more I know, the more I know I don't know. Like, like wisdom helps recognize that having that much knowledge isn't actually valuable. And real true wisdom offers paths for how to spend those resources like like wisdom means that that you understand or have ideas about how to use the information that you've already gleaned yep wisdom means you know how to spend your resources wisely it doesn't mean you know how to hoard your resources wisely that's actually a worthy i hadn't thought about this i should have thought about this but the the idea that I, I know I know nothing comes from Socrates. Mm-hmm. And Socrates famously doesn't sell, is a poor person because he doesn't have anything to sell. He doesn't have knowledge to sell. He knows he knows nothing, so he can't sell his knowledge. True. And so he's a stone cutter. All he can do in response to wisdom is to love it. This is Socrates' common posture is I can't possess wisdom. I can only stand back and love it. It's this non-attachment kind mm-hmm. of posture. But love of wisdom in Greek is the word philosopher. It's uh, phileo, which is friendship. It's a loving friendship in Sophia, which is wisdom. So I'm going to take on this, this posture of loving the wisdom before me. I can't ever possess it, but I can be in relationship with it. I can walk together with it. It's a beautiful yeah. little image. But as you were talking on that that front, that's what struck me is there it is. It's not possessing the knowledge. It's it's being interactive, immersed in a richer level of understanding right. the world and one's place in it that is both cognitive, it's in your head, but it's also very active and it's very emotional. Mm-hmm. All those are required. Again, we come back to balance. Right. All right. That was an epiphany for me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And also feeds really well into into the virtue. Yep. Because like the wisdom says that you can't own wisdom. You can just be in a relationship with it. And and the virtue four fives is non-attachment. Yeah. Like th- this is a great way to think about non-attachment as a virtue, specifically for fives, because you can't own the things that you're trying to hold on to and letting them go actually helps you have a, a more appropriate relationship with it. Like there's this idol for fives is so much about protecting something that you can't actually keep. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm thinking about like 
if as a five, you need to make sure that you have this this amount of money tucked away safely, well, what what happens if that mattress catches on fire? You know, like you you can't protect every all of it forever. And yep. and thinking about knowledge, if if you're hoarding knowledge, then then you're not using it correctly. You're not you're not doing something with it that contributes to the world. And particularly thinking about knowledge about how to do stuff, if you aren't doing the stuff, then you don't have full and complete knowledge. Yep. And and non-attachment helps recognize that that these resources have to be used. They're not to be kept, they're to be used. Yeah. The thing that was striking me as you were talking was that if something can be possessed, it probably isn't as valuable as we might think it is. Yeah. That is the most essential life-giving things in our experience are things that cannot be possessed. Right. You can't possess love. You can't possess. I've, I've, I've heard the Beatles tune. Can't buy me love, man. Right. <laughs> Actually, Pearl Jam has a great line. Uh, Vetter has a great line. It's, I can't buy what I want because it's free. Mm, yeah. And there's, there's a move that what I really want is the deep love of others, the, the beauty I experience in the world, what I mean, even security, as you were saying, there's not, there's no possible way you can be altogether safe, as it were. Right. There's, there's no level of you can always add more fire alarms or right. Well, and even like there's, there's good evidence that like the more security you have, the more afraid you are. Like, oh, like thinking go. about like actual security, like like fire and and security systems in your home, cameras and gates, and like like there's evidence throughout human history that the more secure you are, the the more nervous you are about being unsecure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you if you can Just own security, then that wouldn't be a true thing. Common reminders every time you see the control panel for your house alarm. Right. I suppose we're in trouble right now because of security concerns. A lot of nations have nuclear weapons because they want to feel safe and secure, and they, in fact, become the problem that makes us all un- insecure as a right. And and like we we've we've done this discussion before, but like if, if you really want to make your country secure, why on earth would you have enough nuclear weapons <laughs> to destroy the whole planet? Like at a certain point, you're making yourself less secure by trying to be more secure. Five thousand nukes is too many. It's just a Greek tragedy waiting waiting to happen right there. Yep. <laughs> well, the sin if one doesn't embrace non-attachment as a five, clearly the dark path moves further into greed and hoarding, which right. we'll talk about next time. Right. Sixes. Sixes want to earn the fidelity of others when land in places where they feel secure. I imagine if they do this, they'll be able to trust themselves, but they fear lacking support. There is an avoidance here. It's avoidance of hope and trust. There's always dangers out there. Don't want to trust myself. Don't want to trust others. Don't want to hope in my own abilities or perhaps the reliability of others. All of this leads to sixes settling for pockets of safety. Right. Um, you want to talk about the that idol of safety in the the heart of a six? Yeah, I think this is this is what has to do with um, 
we talk a lot about sixes aligning themselves with some type of authority or hierarchy or, or system. And, and, and this is, this is the place where they find themselves sort of not at peace, but so long as I'm inside this fence, I'm safe. And, and that's, that's what we're talking about. That's the thing that they settle for when like the, the world, it, it's a wild stallion who's concerned about mountain lions and deciding to be inside this rancher's fence because that's where they're safe from the mountain lions. Mm. That's and, a good illustration. And they could be running free, like eating wild oats and like doing all of the things that wild horses, I don't know anything about wild horses. But. <laughs> I actually was in the mountains uh, just yesterday and drove past a, f- a, a flock of wild horses. They're, awesome. they're incredible to see. When sure, you see yeah. horses in the wild, it's it's really different. It's yeah. uh, just, and it, it comes across exactly like that. There's like a strength there mm. that's very different yeah. from uh, what you see with, with other horses, yeah. horses in captivity as it were. Right. Um, Selling for safety is something that actually steals strength from you because mm-hmm. you don't have the opportunity to trust in your own abilities, your own knowledge, your own intuitions, your own coming to the world and achieving the thing that you want. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and speaking specifically to the idea of like fidelity and connectedness and, and like being in, in true trusting relationship with, with people or systems or things or ourselves, like the, the thing that sixes are settling for is the fence when what they could have is an expectation that they're going to come home at night. You know, it's like, like there, there are an awful lot of people right now who are very, very comfortable never having their dog on a leash. And some of those people have a relationship with their dog where they legitimately don't have to worry about that. Like that, that the dog will obey them and the dog can trust them that, that they're going to be safe. Like that, that is a good example of a relationship where there's true fidelity. But then there's a lot of people where it's like, they, they don't want to have elite. What I'm going to get off track with that subject. But (laughs) the other option there is the dog intentionally choosing to stay inside of a fence. Yeah. And, and like what they could have is the opportunity to, to roam and, and move and, and like be in a genuine trusting relationship with another person. And what they settle for is a clearly outlined set of rules. I hadn't thought about this, but all these things that are settled for are substitutes that fill our hands. And when you fill your hands, you can't grab the thing that you actually want. So like one, you know what I mean there? Yeah. Like if you have grabbed a hold of actual safety, you cannot have the genuine faith in yourself, right. trust in others that you actually desire as a six. Right. That actually works for all the the types. The, like I recall us saying that about the twos. Like if one is avoiding one's own neediness and just pushing for appreciation, you won't ever get a chance to actually experience the authentic love and care that could be available right there or threes threes is a better example. If you keep promoting an image as opposed to your genuine excellence, nobody will see your genuine excellence. Right. Your, Cause you're your, never putting it out into the world. Yeah. You're clouding the field. Yep. I bet you it works for all of them. Yeah, C.S. Lewis has great work on this called the principle of first and second things. There's an mm-hmm. essay. You can find it. It's in all of his writings, but if you look it up, it's really good, but it's on this in terms of we, if you settle for secondary things, you will lose not only the primary thing that you actually desire, 
but you'll actually lose the second th- dairy thing in the process. Right. And I imagine uh, there's a handful of sixes that who could tell stories of that. Like I was, I I doubled down on safety and I didn't get safety. Right. You know. Right. Well, and I, I I think that this the sins conversation will play into this, and and like I, I think part of part of this conversation that we're not necessarily going to have will have to be about like the fact that like there are things that will happen in the world and and if you're settling for something when you're actually looking for something else then like the world is is probably eventually going to take away the thing that you're settling for yeah because the thing that you're settling for isn't real it doesn't have real value yeah that's what it is it doesn't have any power so if you settle for things that don't have power clearly when the rubber hits the road you it's not going to be available <laughs> right. yeah, it's not going to not going to meet the task at hand obviously again the faith in self that sixes really need to be healthy the faith in others that they need to be healthy is going to be opposed by the sin that is going to come into their heart and that's the sin of doubt Mm -hmm. and we'll talk more about that next week yep sevens sevens take hold of joy Uh, this is a way to feel secure there's a fear in the heart of sevens of being deprived, and that materializes out there as an avoidance of being stuck. And so clearly the next move, if you are avoiding being stuck and you're just looking for some island to land on for the minute, sevens will settle for excitement. Uh, you want to talk about that movement yeah. in the heart of a seven? I think that this is another good example of like we we teach from the place of the idol for sevens. Uh, I think that that this is this is what we present when we talk about sevens a lot. The monkey mind, the always having a foot in the door so that you can get onto the next thing. Uh, I, I think this is, but I think sevens embody it a lot more than uh, a lot of the fours that I know because they are looking for the next thing. And so long as I can try something new, I don't have to be stuck in something old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this one's pretty straightforward. Like they're, they're they're looking for real, true joy, satiation, enjoyment of existence, and what they settle for is the next cool thing. To circle back to something, I, I was talking about that FDR documentary I was watching, but FDR just comes across. As a seven, mm-hmm. you have nothing to fear, but fear itself is a great seven line. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yes. This is a man who runs for vice president in 1920 and the next year is struck with polio mm-hmm. and loses the use of his legs and spends the next like 12 years trying to figure out who he is. Yeah. And just trying to, and he is uh, like, you want to talk about being stuck he can't walk. Yeah, He's literally stuck in, in a wheelchair. Entirely dependent on other human beings. And to watch him materi- you know, change, morph into arguably the greatest person of the 20th century, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of in that field. I don't know what you call that. Like greatest being has the, the most signi- significance for genuine good in the 20th century. Um, all comes out of that experience. And it's again, I'm just sitting there just crying through this whole thing, just Mm -hmm. watching the heart of a seven and their, his struggles and how that 
shaped him into just this tremendous human being. Anyway, what the seven wants is genuine joy, wants to live in that place. And so the virtue for sevens prescribed is sobriety. That's almost, that's not, well, talk about sobriety. Do you have thoughts on sobriety for sevens? Uh, I have some. We have talked about this a bit before, and I, I think that sobriety is a good it's a it's a good word for a type of engaged presence because it's it's not just about being not intoxicated. It it's about knowing who you are, being engaged with what you're doing right now. It's about owning the ways that you failed and coming to terms with the fact that you are an addict as well. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not just not imbibing it's also knowing that you want to mm-hmm. and holding all of that together and and like living in the midst of that reality love the idea of engaged presence it's mm-hmm. how do i sober my mind how do i sober my activities how do i sober my consumption all of this can have that I need to be grounded here for a minute and soak up the riches that are in this place, not in the stuff tomorrow and the things I'm scheming about for next week. Mm-hmm. Sobriety can simply be, let's pull it back and richly experience what is what is here in the in the here and now. Yeah. And intentionally not take things to the next level, intentionally not need to mm escape the things that are unpleasant like like i know so many i am one of them i know so many people who use drugs and or alcohol to to sort of mute unpleasant situations like like i drink scotch while we when we talk because it's it's a it's a lubricant it's a way to uh sort of like get part of myself into the background so that other parts can come forward and like it's in a lot of ways this is not real sobriety because I'm 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 sort of cheating to get to to where I want to be. And for sevens, it's it's about being in that space all the time. Like that that's mm-hmm. what sobriety comes to. It, it's not needing to find the next thing. It's not needing to to turn up the level of excitement. It's accepting that we're at this level and that's okay. And it'll it'll move as things happen naturally. You'll not be surprised to know that the deadly sin associated with sevens is gluttony, and that would be the opposite. Right. That overconsumption is the other alternative if one cannot pause and be sober. Right. We'll talk about that next time. Eights. Eights take hold of agency, or we use the term magnanimity at one point. There is the fear of being controlled for eights that um, is going to materialize as an avoidance of vulnerability. And so this is where control is for the eight. Settling for control at this point. Mm -hmm. Control over my spaces means I'm not vulnerable. Control over my relationships means I'm not vulnerable. And that can be a place that one lands, but it's not the genuine agency or the genuine greatness of heart that eights truly desire uh, you got thoughts there yeah i think um much like fours and and as i said sevens but more like fours like we often teach that eights want to be in control and and i think that's an 
inappropriate and incorrect way to to sh- showcase their desire to not be controlled or coerced or or whatever else by other people and that comes from this idol it's it's because when eights feel like they are in control that gives them the sort of like the calm the the calmness of mind that that they're they're like it settles their anxiety it's it's the thing that they they want to have agency they want to be able to enact their will and and protect other people and and take care of other people and and do the things that they want and so long as they are in control that at least feels like agency that at least feels something like the magnanimity that they're are looking for if if they're the ones in charge then at least no one else is screwing it up yeah you loosen your hands on control and then the eight can clearly serve out of a posture of of true big heartedness towards those around them right. but can't serve in that way if you're if you always want to control all the things right um or specifically if you want to ensure that you're not vulnerable from you know fire coming back from you from those you're trying to help right right well notice like the, this is also a really good good example of how like this is i think this is true for all of the types like the the idols represent something that's actually really great and and control represents true strength mm-hmm. right but it's it's not they're not even a little bit the same thing because true strength doesn't need to be in control yeah there it is and yeah but but when eight settle for this idol they they translate if i am in control then it's at least, at least something like strength yeah, if you're truly strong, when someone hits you back, it won't hurt because of the strength that you possess. Right. That's a good point. Um, the virtue elevated for eights then is this posture of innocence, this heart of innocence, that agency and big heartedness expressed in an innocent way. That is an eight fully alive. You got you got thoughts on this virtue? Yeah, I love this word for eights. I I think it's it's so great and fitting. And I know so many eights who be like, "What? No." Uh, I I just I I think it's such a great word to encompass this thing for eights. Like they like think about the innocence of children. It doesn't mean that they're dumb or or frail or or useless like it, it doesn't mean any of the things that we often ascribe to innocence as an adult when we're talking about children and and that's the kind of innocence that eights need to embrace because like the kids are resilient and smart and strong and and they do they are capable of doing all kinds of things and they're also so often they're they're not really like they the kids are often kind of running the show because the the way that their their protectors need to like take care of them has to do with doing what's best for the children and when eights are able to embrace this kind of innocence then they can recognize that like they can actually let some of their vulnerability out they can let some of their like it's it's not it's not terrible to say things that 
might get you in trouble. <laughs> like it, it, it's not a bad thing to not be the one calling the shots. Mm-hmm. And you can actually it like have a fuller life if you just like live out of this place of innocence. Yeah, it's well said. The opposite to innocence that we'll talk about next week is lust. And lust is this intensity of experience that uh, seems to be opposed to the innocent posture towards the world. That'll be a good conversation. Lots to say there. Yeah. Uh, Nines. Nines are going to step back for peace. This is going to give them the control they desire. Uh, Nines are going to avoid conflict. This is going to come out of their fear of losing connection with others. And so that image of taking a step back, wanting the calm, making sure that everything remains connected, not in tension, not in conflict, that's the setup for nines settling for calm or passivity. Mm -hmm. You got thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I would also like, I like the word harmony better for for the thing that they were looking for uh, as opposed to peace because i think f- peace might actually fit better here because yeah we, we we so easily associate peace with like this this like this kind of calmness but harmony is is has more complexity to it and and more things going on and and there's there's naturally some movement within the idea of harmony um, which i think is a better word for what should be held up for nines. Uh, so like passivity, calm, like think of it's easier to say nothing than to run the risk of disturb. Like, like don't rock the boat is a, w- a way that you might think about what nine settle for. It's like, don't, don't assert yourself. Don't make people uncomfortable. Don't rock the boat. Just, just call like, let things happen and, and let, like so long as we are never fighting, that obviously means that we're fine, and that's the thing that I'm settling for, and that's that's I why I like harmony so much better is because that's not harmony. That's one person. That's that's basically a a parasitic relationship. Like it's not yeah. two things working together. It's it's one thing letting another one completely control them. Similar to the sixes who are settling for safety. It's like I'm I'm just trying to find this pocket where things there's no friction tension. I, I, I suppose in my head I have this image of, of somebody just trying desperately just to kind of hold all the pieces together so that they don't move anymore. Right. Especially don't slam into each other, but Right. Cause that's it. It's part of it is the conflict, but part of it is the fact that the conflict will result in Loss of connection. Things breaking apart. Yeah. Yeah. And and like that that will come from peace as well. Yeah. It it's a completely different perspective to to seek after harmony though, instead of like like genuine harmony and peace is is about things working the way that they're supposed to. And sometimes relationships should break. And if you're just settling for things to be calm, then you don't enter spaces where the things that should break, the things that are non-functional break down because they're supposed to. Yeah. Yeah, the image 
again, harmony, uh, I meant to say this, that there, there's a richer word in Hebrew. It's the, the idea of shalom. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost like that is interconnectedness. That's yeah. like, like there's an energy of interconnectedness there where even conflict results in depthier understandings of one another, support for one another, yeah, and grace and love for one another. It's a, right. much more valuable mm-hmm. than mere calm. Right. And there's there's also like I said this a minute ago, but there's there's movement in harmony. Yeah. There's not movement in calm. There you go. Moves into the virtue then for the nine is the virtue is just action. Mm-hmm. And I think we've said this every time we've come to this uh, idea that really for nines, nearly every prescription for them getting to a better spot in life is simply to engage the right. world, right? <laughs> to get in there and start doing some stuff. Yeah. And, uh, but that's the virtue. Right. Doing what needs to be done when it needs to be done. Yep. Yeah. And like that is, like that is harmonious living. Yeah. Well said. Opposite to that is obviously something like sloth and not caring about what's important. So we'll talk about that next time. But right. if you're looking for what do I do next, it's what is important. Go do it. Yeah. Well, lastly, we come to the ones. Ones believe if I just earn the wholeness, the control, then I'm going to be happy. And so as we talked about, they're going to fear being corrupted. That is like an inter-quality of they've been poisoned. They've let something bad inside. Uh, That materializes outside as an avoidance of being at fault. That is something inside of them is broken and whoops, it got out, and they don't want to be seen to be at fault. And this leads to an interesting idol. The idol that ones will find security in is in being right. Took a, took a moment to really think on this today. Love your thoughts. This, for me, is a shelter. Mm. And maybe that's how idols work. Yeah. And I hadn't thought about this for the rest of them. I should have. But this is a place of protection. It's like like uh, like the world's falling apart. Where can I find some shelter? Oh, well, at least I'm right. Right. Yeah. It's. Uh, I. Th- I think that's. You can draw that thread for uh, just about every type because I. We're we're talking about like not getting the thing that you want, and so you settle for something different. And if yep. if you're not whole, at least you're right. And and in by by association, at least they're wrong too. Yeah, yeah. There's a what a elevation of self a little bit there. A little bit, but I think it's more about for for ones particularly. It's is that you find yourself on the right side. Yeah, and there's the it's almost the opposite of corruption. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm going to focus so hard on not being corrupted. The um, the shelter image works for me when I think about the others, like sevens are going to find shelter in the excitement. I'm going to the next thing. That's actually a place of removing myself from from boredom and the rest, the thing I'm really trying to avoid, or, or right. threes wanting to really invest in the shelter of their image, perhaps, yeah. their self-promotion. Yeah. And, and, and at least if I have this, I'll be okay. Yeah, this, this, at least this will get me to safety. Yeah. At least here I'm safe. The thing about ones, and this may 
you know, for you ones who haven't heard our work on time, it's really worth going back and listening to our episodes on time. But ones don't have an anchor in the past or the future. Mm -hmm. It's all in the present. And there's even a resistance to the present. So it's almost like <laughs> it's real hard to engage the world sometimes as one. Right. The the thing that ones will do is use all their energy in the moment to create systems that will anchor them, that will do the work for them because they have a difficult time getting their heads into the future, have a difficult time getting their heads into the past at times, but they can create the system now and really pour their energy into it. And perhaps it's the case that the well, the the extreme of that, the excess of that, the I'm putting all my energy into right now side of that mean, you know, that's why being right is so important. I got to get this nailed. I got to build this boat because it needs to, to, to get me across the ocean. I'm going to sail across and I don't know what's out there. Sure. You know what I mean there? I think so. I think it like, like the systems have a lot to do with like they, they really feed into that sense of being right because like not having an anchor in the past, not being able to draw on our own experiences, not having an anchor in the future of, of being able to like sort of foresee things in that way. So long as you stick with the systems, then you know you're on the right side. Yeah. Like you, you build these systems that, and, and even the systems are, are subject to the same kind of scrutiny. Like you, you, you have built the system based on that need to be right. So the system itself, if, if it is flawed, then you don't ever know that you're right if you're aligning with the system. So, so you work the system, and once you start to get to a point where you can rely on the system, then you don't have to worry about thinking about the past or the future because you have this system. Yeah. I don't know if other ones are like me on this front, but we will fail at something and then look back at the details and say, oh, I missed that detail. Sure. That was the detail I missed, and that's why things broke. Right. Because I wasn't really, because I had to do, spend my, my energy was spent in looking over everything in the moment, and that's why ones come across as perfectionistic or nitpicky or you know overly detail-oriented. That's what we got. We got the present moment to do our thing. Right. And if somebody says, well, this... Uh, you're not doing this well or you're failing or et cetera, at least you can say, well, in this moment, I'm right. right. I'm looking at the thing and taking right. it in through my intuitions and th that's the tool I got. Yeah. And that's false. Right. Because there are other tools. Right. Yeah, the the sort of black and white thinking that, that ones deal with, like that this is all part of it. It's not really having capacity for the gray spaces that are in between. It's like mm -hmm. like this is this is the only way that I understand things, therefore it has to be right. Otherwise I'm I'm completely corrupt. Yeah. If there's even a little bit that's wrong, I'm completely corrupt. To push into that even slightly more, a lot of ones think they are the ones who are primarily responsible as well. Right. And this is part of it. It's not just um if this thing breaks, it's gonna be my fault. That that is the misstep, I think. It's thinking that everything is about you. And mm. You need to fix everything. You need to make sure that everything moves forward. You are the one who's totally responsible. And that's a misstep. Right. Like that that creates clenched fists. It it it's, it's similar to twos in their pride, thinking they're the one who's there to fix every to what to it's not to fix everything, but to be the solution for everybody else's emotional needs. And right. Rest. Right. And it, it's like, all of this is, is different facets of the same 
diamond. It's like yep. it's the 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 black and white thinking, the need to be right, the the insistence that that you're the one who is going to do the things, and and if it fails, it's your fault. Like all of that is part of the same whole, and it it's it's also part of why like like part of this is about how ones think that they're like it, it's a judgment issue that black and white thing the right and wrong the the insistence on being right means that my definition of right is the only one and it's it's part of all of this together black and white thinking uh but all the that you were talking about that like it is my responsibility to make things to put things in order because yeah. you're the one that has to be right therefore you're the one who has the judgment to discern what is right and what is wrong right the solution it seems to me for for one's ends up being the opening of your of your hands not everything is yours to fix there you can come to the world with an adventurous posture and allow things to fail and it, that posture of mind and heart really takes the wind out of being right. If mm-hmm. you're if you have humility, intellectual humility, humility in your abilities to to fix everything and you're just like, look, I'm going to come, I'm going to do my best and your hands are a little bit more open, then the the idol doesn't have that kind of power anymore, it seems to me. Right. Yeah, and and you know, an, another way that you might say that is the virtue of serenity. There you the, go. The, it's Accepting that things are the way that they are. Yeah. And being okay with that. So much to say here. And and this, I like your take on that. Serenity is accepting that things are the way they are. Mm -hmm. And like we talked about in, in a previous episode, like we're not advocating for not having ideals. Like ones, Mm -hmm. fours and sevens will all be in the same place. We're not saying don't have ideals. We're saying, hold them with open hands. Yeah, like like strive for your ideals. I, I think I use the um, shoe for the moon, and at least you'll land among the stars thing. Like have ideals, aim for ideals. That's a good thing. You all help us, the rest of us, move toward a better world. That's that's good and important. But not meeting those ideals does not necessarily mean that everything is is going badly. Yep, and it also doesn't mean that like like again. Is it yours to do? Are, are you the person that is responsible for dragging all of the rest of us to your idealistic vision? Probably not. Yeah. It, there, again, humility needs to temper the idealism of the, of the ones. Mm-hmm. It's, there's something, it's real similar to the twos in the idea of what is mine to do for the twos. Mm-hmm. There's going to be what is, what is yours to build or create? What is, what is yours to fix? Really knowing in your bones, this is what I'm made for. And in that space, giving yourself permission to fail, giving yourself permission, again, to live with open hands, to, mm-hmm. to understand that in my mind, and, and I can make this move since I have a, a belief that God really works in our world, I can trust that there's an ordering to the world outside of my efforts. Yeah. And whether and or not your that's vision. true, yeah, right, yeah. Whether or not that's true or not, it's sh- it sure is psychologically helpful, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, right. Uh, when when I can get there, 
Because there's all sorts of things that obviously I can't control that I want to improve that I simply have no ability to elevate and can quickly say, well, it's your fault that this is going badly. Right. Bang. That's it, man. Got all nine numbers. Last word on on idols. I like that idea of shelters. You want you got anything to say about any of the other types and sheltering in your idol? It's a bad I, shelter. I, I keep coming back to the re- religious idea of idols, like what oh. like what idols are and in the history of religion for our world and like like think about the Greek temples, right? You have this temple to Zeus and you have the statue of Zeus that exists in this temple. And it's literally a a stone representation of something that cannot be contained inside this building. Mm -hmm. And you bring sacrifices and you pray to this statue because Zeus isn't actually standing there. So you need a representation. You're settling for this man-made image of something that's way bigger and uncontrollable and and you have you're just hoping that zeus hears what you're saying to this statue and there's a a fair element like the part of the reason that religion has been so consistent across cultures for all of humanity is that like like we need something like that to settle for because it what it's what makes us feel safe. Yeah, you're reaching for anything. Anything. Anything yeah. that will make us feel safe and like sheltering in a building that I built myself with a statue that my friend Steve made that represents <laughs> Zeus. This is way better than staying at home hoping that Zeus is real. When I tried thinking of another example of an idol, the first thing that came to my mind was Raiders of the Lost Ark, when he's got the the head yeah. that's gold. Yeah. And you throw me the idol, I'll throw you the whip. Throw me the whip. The guy gets the idol, runs, and immediately gets impaled by those arrows. <laughs> idols yeah. idols don't have any power. They don't that's, have any that's power. That's the problem. <laughs> like it's like you're you're choosing a shelter. And like it's understandable. We all do it. We all nine types have this, and we can see examples of this throughout human history. We're settling for something for a a, a poor substitute of something that should be great. <laughs> and like it 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 creates shelter for us. But really, like, if you if you begin worshiping the idol, you're gonna get impaled. <laughs> Impalement is coming. Hey, friends, it would mean the world to us if you shared this episode with somebody you love, preferably someone you don't want to see impaled. <laughs> we have we've just started regular online gatherings. You can find those uh, on our Patreon site, which is linked at aroundthecircle.org very easy to find aroundthecircle.org just look for the Patreon button and before you turn this podcast off we are crazy grateful for for stars on any actually it's only Spotify and iTunes that do this so if, uh, if you give us some stars we'd really appreciate it you've heard us say that 28 times you've heard me say that 28 times correct <laughs> I've said it once or twice just it, with with a smirk and a, I can't believe I have to do this <laughs> can't believe I have to shill Jeff's idols. <laughs> oh, you got anything else? I got nothing. He's TJ Wilson. He's officially got five stars. And I'm Jeff Cook. And who you aren't isn't interesting. And don't get impaled.